We are back for the second time in three days. And y'all wouldn't know that, but it's been an interesting three days. We're back, episode 22. Roman Harper, I didn't mean to cut you off right there. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. I just told him what? That we're doing it twice in three days. No, I was going to tell the story because I'm the idiot here. I'm the one who screwed it up. So quick recap. uh, Friday, we come in 2 o'clock, 2.30. We sit down to record another episode of the podcast. What you will be missing a little bit of in this episode was that we had a new guy who joined the team uh, who was not on the uh, podcast per se, but he was recording and doing some video stuff, and he's, he's a part of the team now. Brendan, We're trying to upgrade a little bit. No doubt. We want to grow. So we, uh, we got our boy Brendan Motley, who is the uh, – he and I grew up together, went to the same high school, same hometown. Uh, dads were friends, played pickup ball together. Yeah, his dad, my he told dad. A great story. So you know, it. Uh, you know, we got. To, he, he's in the team. He played. He was a starting quarterback at Virginia Tech for a while. Uh, you know, he, I'm the now unaccomplished athlete in the room, if, as if I wasn't already. <laughs> so he was here, and uh, you know, we had we had a good conversation. We did, and I enjoyed a lot him of fun. Too. Um, I, I would say this. I thought he was a really cool dude. He's younger than than us. Oh yeah, uh, younger than me by what ten years? Which or is so. important, by the way. Remind me to come back to that. Go ahead. Okay, I will. And um, but. I really and I like being around other people that that are like growing and doing and grinding and hustling. I, I feel like that keeps me young. It keeps me yep. wanting uh, being around young entrepreneurial minds and just other people that are, you know, doing their own thing. I, I, I really enjoy that because you can always learn from anybody and how to grow your, yourself. Right. And then you're always trying to add to your game. So for sure. So I, I, I like I thought he was a great dude. He was really cool to be around. Yeah. So Brendan Motley's part of the team now. You're going to be uh, hearing from him at some point, but he does great work, videography, filmography. I mean, he's just very talented. So uh, we're going to be pushing out some cool video stuff, as we've been promising for the past several weeks. And, and that's the key to the, the, the new piece to the puzzle where we bring some of that stuff in. So we're excited about it. But the gist of it was uh, we had a computer malfunction that was uh, so simple and so avoidable. But uh, I took for granted since the last time we were here that uh, the settings were all the same. And I didn't double check it. And so when I went back to listen to that fantastic conversation on Friday night to, to try to push it out to the people, because I promised the people we'd have a new episode on Friday. The and people, I feel like Kyle, a jerk. We, you can't lose the people. We Kyle. can't. You don't lose the people, man. And so I feel bad because I made a promise that I didn't deliver on, but I just couldn't put, I, I couldn't put it out. The audio was too bad. Y'all would not have enjoyed it. So this was not us being procrastinators or being lazy. This was a simple oversight on my part. So we're going to re-rack a good bit of that conversation today. As my man, Money Mike McKenzie, he was the first guy when I got to the NFL that I ever looked at was like, man, that's what it's like to be like in the league. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude just like got a lot of money doing his own thing. Like he told the coach, like they were doing something at at practice and like the receiver was wide open. Mike just didn't run with him. Mm. And then Mike just would point at him. And then (laughs) (laughs) and then and then you know they throw it and then they look at Mike. Mike like coach. I got it. He's like, do you want me to give it to you on Wednesday or you want it on Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm going to chase down this post like, go get it. You want it on Wednesday or you want it on Sunday? That's some AI stuff. You know what I'm that's saying? That's some like, Allen Iverson yeah. level stuff right and, there. And as a rookie, I was like, man, that's what it's like. You know, like. You got to earn that, you though. You got to earn that. You got to earn that. Because he did do it on Sunday. So that was the best thing about it. It was really good. All that right. is very true. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's just, very true. You, that just popped on my head, Kyle. So, so you, again, you and I had a really good conversation yeah, Friday. We're going to react. We're going to react some back. of that. But, but I want to start here first with the news of the day because I'm sitting across from a bona fide SEC network analyst. And so I need your SEC analysis on what the fuck Tennessee just did, <laughs> not pardoning my language, because that's how surprised I am today 
they just fired Jeremy Pruitt and Phil Fulmer retired all on the same day. Why did you? I mean, I, I, sometimes I get these things aren't avoidable, and, and I'm going to guess I'll, I'll pull yeah. up some stuff on it, but like you wait till January 18th to fire the guy that you just extended through 2025, not seven months ago? Well, you knew he was in hot water That's at wild. the end of the season. That is crazy. It, nothing's crazy to me, Kyle. What's well, the SEC? Yeah, you know, like, and it's football. Half it, the half the appeal is the circus of the off season <laughs> and in season. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, you knew something was up. They, you know, they didn't love the way they finished the season. This team was very underwhelming, I would say, um, offensively and just overall uh, their performance this year. Uh, for what you thought they were going to do, right? They were coming into the league, eight-game winning streak. Uh -huh. You thought they were on the rise. They came out 2-0, and feeling themselves. Second half of Georgia and the rest of the season, you were like, whoa, who is this team? And But what you saw this offseason, what kind of unfold with, with Pruitt, man, all right, he was in hot water after the season because of the way the season ended, and then they made him a coaching freeze. Like, he couldn't bring in any other coaches. That was the writing on the wall. Have you seen the rumors, though? The rumors well, they are. bring in Kevin Steele. Okay, What's all right, finish that. that th well, okay, right. So there's some reports that he could be promoted to the head coaching job, although I've seen some conflicting stuff on that. To the other thing you were talking about, though, you're right. I watched him. He brought his team here to Charlotte. It was Will Greer's senior year at West Virginia. He brought his Tennessee team here to Charlotte. They played West Virginia. West Virginia kicked the shit out of him. Um, you know, and, and but at that, at that point, you know, you thought, okay, he's got some work to do, but they played hard. They played tough. Uh, and so, but then they went on a six-game six-game winning streak last year, I think, or eight. something like that. Was it, that's what it was. I think they finished with six, and then they got to eight. That sounds right. Well, it was something like that. But yeah. they went on a run to end the season, so they got hype coming in. They, I think, they won their first game, beat South Carolina. Holy they shit! Is, is Tennessee back? Is Jeremy Pruitt the savior in Knoxville? They just fired him, and they just given him an extension before the season started. But some of the stuff that I'm but seeing, the way, so so. So they, that's why they did a coaching freeze because they wanted him up out of there. And they're not going to have to pay him that extension because they're finding out something that if he, in his contract, it said that if he had a level one or so violation of anything, <coughs> right, and he's not doing anything than any, most any other schools do in the SEC. They're all playing what, by whatever rules they are. So okay. anyway. All right. So when, because of that, his, his buyout is now null and void. Because of that, if they can get them on that, that's why compliance is like doing investigation. Their own people are doing investigation. Right. Right. That's what given, I was talking about. Right. It, their own people. Like if Jeremy Pruitt was winning, you're, own, you're not doing your own private investigation. You're going to tell the NCAA to come find me. You know what I'm saying? The way, you know, other teams and other people have done that. I don't want to. I, I will say it. Yeah, it's, a, it's other schools. You look at what happened to Arizona's basketball coach. All right. He's still there coaching. Will Wade at LSU. Still coaching. Uh, uh, what's Auburn's basketball coach? Uh, Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl. Yep. Who's gotten in trouble in previous other places. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, College I'm not, basketball I'm not so it, dirty. I'm not trying to drop. I don't want to be that person. No, no, I know. I know. Dimes, but I'm just saying when you win, nobody tells on themselves. Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. When you're, when you're, well, everybody else is, is, you know, chomping at the bit to tell on you if they can right. find something, but you're not going to tell on yourself. I get what right. you're saying. I just, again, the larger picture here, you know, whoever's going to be next, you know, what the ultimate decision process was, it's a bad look for them, and it's a continuation of this death spiral that Tennessee football has been in for, two, for 20 years. I mean, ever since T. Martin won the national championship. So why don't they try and – are they going to try and put T. Martin at head coach? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see what I they end not. up.
But maybe he could get it right. Maybe. Who, who, Kevin Steele, huh? I don't know what's going on because they bring in Kevin Steele. Well, I'm looking at it right now. Let me pull this up because I'm, I'm going to see what I can find out about the coaching search. But I'll come back to it. But anyway, it's just I, – I, I think that's crazy, though, Kyle. Where I grew – timing of it. Where I grew up in Virginia, you know, is about an hour and a half roughly from the Tennessee state line. So I grew up with a good number of Tennessee fans around. Okay, so I've, I've heard from them. I got some close friends that are volunteer fans. And I've heard a lot from them over the years just about how apathetic and jaded and frustrated they became with the program. And, and so, again, to see them do this, I, I guess in some ways you get to wipe the slate clean and you can go hire a new AD with a new vision and maybe that guy brings the right head coach and everything's Who fine. those players together? Well, right, right. But I, I, it's wow. – Look at the list of head coaches that have been there. They went from Johnny Majors, mm -hmm. national championships, to uh, Phil Fulmer, national championship, to a run of, and I, I'm sure I'm going to get this out of order, Lane Kiffin, Derek Dooley, uh, Butch Jones, uh, and then Jeremy Pruitt, and now whoever this is going to be with some in-between interims like Brady Hoke and a few others. It's been an ugly run for Tennessee for the last at least 12 years. It's been really, really bad. And so I, I don't know how they get out of that hole, especially with how much better so many SEC programs have gotten. But it's, it's such a proud program, and I think their fans have – I think that fan base has the largest percentage of batshit insane people in all of college football. <laughs> but they're a passionate fan base. And they I think they're a really good fan Neyland base. will still – you give them a hint of winning, and Neyland's rocking, man. They love that football program. So been there. That's the loudest stadium, stadium I've ever played. So in. for all the Tennessee jokes and stuff, that is still a program that I look at and say, if they can find the right guy, that program will again take off. They just have to find the right guy. And they've done a terrible, terrible job of that over the past decade so, or so. So, Kyle, and this is just what I want to talk about when it comes to this whole thing. Too, what? Because this is what people don't really see. People see the, the coaches and they see that and all that. But I've been in that locker room where your coach leaves, all right? And when I was at Alabama, mm -hmm. so I, I, I went there. Mike Dubose, the first person to recruit me. I go with – but Dennis Franchoni, he gets fired. Dennis Franchoni comes in. They recruit me even harder, all right? So I go there. I'm there for two years. Dennis Franchoni decides he's going to leave. He goes to Texas A&M. So now Alabama doesn't have a coach. Alabama takes – That's right. You came in during that shit. Yeah. Wow. So Franchoni is gone, all right? And now, like, our coach just left. Like, we weren't even good. Like, he just left. Right. Right? That's a different mindset for a young – for a team, like how do you hold on to that team? Well, you know, it's when you look because at Tennessee like, too. Now you've seen what Tennessee's going through. I'm like, who's going to hold it? Like, who's going to hold it? Why wouldn't Henry Toto like transfer to like Alabama or something? Hendon Hooker just transferred into Tennessee from Virginia Tech to be the starting quarterback in Knoxville. Yeah, like that. What the, I mean, how I don't do know. You feel I, about like if you're that kid? Well, probably a lot of ways, but like that's the mess that's been going on up there. But then and they got like three, like they had three quarterbacks play this year though. JT Shroud. Blah blah, like um, like, it was uh, Garantano, and then oh, was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a carousel. <laughs> Always, but they've been doing that for a couple years now. And you know what, Kyle? Look, our strength coach held us together, Ben Pollard, at the time. That the class, the guys that I came in with, uh, you know, Charlie Pepper, Anthony Madison, Sean Shad Williams, who's actually strength coach at uh, with Oregon right now. Uh, Freddie Roach, you know, D-line coach I know at Alabama. Todd Bates, another guy. It's a hell of a name to have. It's Freddie Roach. 
<laughs> that's it. That's a hell of a name to have because you'll always be the other Freddie Roach, at least in the world of sports. Except for like your mama true. and your wife, you're always going to be the other Freddie that's Roach. Very true. But yeah, man. So we, you have to like come together, and it's really hard. I don't think people actually take think about with a kid's perspective when your coach gets fired because after that, after Franchoni left, we got Mike Price, and it seemed kind of cool. And yeah, he was there for three months, and he got fired, and we then we didn't have a coach again. Coaching turnovers are. Part of the it's part of the game or the game. I'll spit that out eventually, but it's also the fun part of college football. My only real question for you is, did you consider Tennessee the South growing up? Was Tennessee <laughs> considered the South growing up to you? This yes, this was, it the, was. this that was, was my cutoff. This was the fun conversation that we missed yes. uh, from the what other is the day. South? Well, yeah, we brought this up because I don't even remember why we. Dude, I've been thinking about that conversation since Friday. <laughs> I've been thinking because there's I could there was so much it felt like I left off the table in that conversation. So in all in some ways, even though I, I hate that I messed up in the recording initially, but we're going. We, there's some things that I really. But anyway, so we got into a good conversation about like where people think the South is, and it's always. I saw a poll. That's the other thing that I thought about. I saw a poll on Twitter or someone asking the question on Twitter, maybe like a year ago, maybe less than. Is North Carolina the South? And if you're out here asking, is North Carolina, <coughs> excuse me, North Carolina the South? We we might need to reintroduce geography and civics into public education in a worse way than we could have even thought already, based on some of the thing, things we've watched for the last year in America. But like somebody asked the question, is North Carolina the South? And I just thought, my God, like what are we doing here? And, and so we started, I think, Friday talking about some of the documentaries and what you consider to be the South growing up, because. You know, there's a joke that if you live, especially in the deep south, that anything north of Marietta, Georgia, you know, is Yankee country, which is hilarious. But it's also that larger perception of, you know, who considers what to be the south. Like, I brought up Oklahoma on Friday. And Oklahoma is not a state that I no. and, and many other people can Remember Gerald McCoy, though, plays in, played at Oklahoma, played for the, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Bucks. When he came to Carolina last year, it was this whole deal when he got here, when they were doing the, hey, here's the introductory video interview with Gerald McCoy. He got into, I don't care what anybody thinks, Oklahoma's in the south. Like, sorry, bub, that's not the way this works. You know, and he's he a great. that? Oh, yeah. No, he said that. You know, like, How's Oklahoma in the South? So, right. Exactly. It wasn't even a state. So and so we also were talking about growing up in the South, like, we only think people in the South play good football. Sure. There is an inherent bias there. No doubt about it. There's no question. <laughs> like, that is another reason why we had this conversation to kind of start. You're like, well, what do you consider the South? And I was like, right. well, for us, it was like Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, uh, North, I mean, um, Tennessee, and that's about it, you know, <laughs> Louisiana, Louisiana, of course. Right. And, and so that's the time where I told you that's, that was interesting because South Carolina was like its own thing. Yeah. And so Bobby Bowden did, uh, like a, a big interview for this history channel documentary. You don't know Dixie about not 10 years ago. It was 2011. It came out. I remember Bowden answered the question, you know, what do you consider to be the South? And Bowden said, it's the Confederate States. Like, that's what the South is, the mm -hmm. old South, because those are the only real boundaries and rules that we have about what the South is. So yes. it's the, the old and South. this is what you did, Kyle. You're, you're like the person that knows maps and topo what do you call Cartography. it? Cartography. Yeah, it is. Right, because, again, I think people know, but I don't bring it up because I don't know how much people want to hear about <laughs> it. But, like, yeah, I, I have a graduate degree in geography. I did a lot of GIS work, which is uh, geographic information systems. Uh, maps, visualizing data on maps, all that stuff. So, yeah, I know maps, and I've always loved maps and the visualizing of what's where and everything else. And, yeah, I, I started talking about Kentucky. Like, Kentucky was not a Confederate state. Which blows my mind. Right. I would have put Kentucky in 
just because how how I perceive Kentucky. And that does that's not to say that Kentucky doesn't have places that are obviously southern in culture, yeah, you know, and obviously in eastern Kentucky word. it's southern Appalachian culture on the eastern side of the state, but like mm-hmm. when you get up to the Kentucky Ohio border, what is that? You know, I, I don't know exactly what that is. That's you know, uh that's that's called um so my roommate used to date a girl that's in the town that's called Florence. Sure. And that's what I would say Kentucky Ohio border is. It's yeah, like so that, like that Lu- Cincinnati, Louisville on one <clears throat> excuse me, one side Cincinnati on the other, like you do have some similarities. Like Cincinnati's a city that wants to be southern but you're in Ohio so you can't yeah. be southern. It's the most hood conservative it's city. a strange it's, place. It is. It's a different. So vibe. then you go like, so for instance, West Virginia. West Virginia was with the Union in the Civil War. West Virginia is not a southern state. The bottom counties of West Virginia, you found a lot of Confederate sympathizers and even some counties that completely you know, broke off and still went and fought for the Confederate Army. But West Virginia as a state is not a southern state. Then you get to Virginia. Right. So in my southwest corner of Virginia, it's very southern Appalachian, very conservative, um, you know, very work boots, blue collar, that sort of place. Uh, on throughout south side, you get out to Emporia, the coast, you know, places like that, old south tidewater. But then you get up into northern Virginia and northern Virginia is where Robert E. Lee's Army, Army of Northern Virginia was the most powerful army in the Confederate Army. But you go to northern Virginia today and you don't feel like you're in the same state as when I where I grew up. Right. So those people don't necessarily feel Southern uh, in, in certain ways, you know, even though that used to be all farms and, you know, things like that. And then you have D.C. right above it. A lot of people don't realize either. Maryland would have fought with the Confederacy, would have fought with the South, were D.C. not square in the middle, you know, between Virginia and Maryland. So Maryland, there were a ton of Confederate sympathizers in Maryland. So that state probably would have gone with the Confederacy had it not been for the physical location of Washington, D.C., and other factors, too. Mm. So, like, Kentucky, strange. Um, you know, Virginia is, is still, you know, technically and very traditionally southern in a lot of ways. And especially when you consider – I know I'm getting, this is where I get nerdy. This is why I don't talk about this stuff because I can go on for days, dude. But, like, you know, Virginia, like I told you, when you look at the – Because arm- when I see Virginia, I don't think – I think it's the north. Like my my family lives in like outside of D.C. So like right because they live me, in Northern like, Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's how I'm D.C. Virginia is like so north. Right. But so it's really the home of the Confederacy. It really is. And so those top you know, it's like four counties in the top of Virginia that now make up thirty five to forty percent of the state's population. Four counties basically near the top yeah. make up thirty five to forty percent. So the entire north, the whole state's population or, or demo politics are now controlled in large part by the Northern Virginia area. But anyway, to wrap this up, like Virginia during the Civil War sent one hundred and seventy five thousand men to fight for the Confederate Army. That was the most by far of any southern state. Second most was North Carolina. I think it was one hundred and twenty five thousand. So Virginia and North Carolina effectively sent over a third of all the. I think it was over a third of all the Confederate troops in that war. Um, obviously, as you pointed out on Friday, some of the deep south states weren't as populated at that point, And so there were factors that contributed to it. But, yeah, like it's, it's funny what perception is. And <clears throat> I told the story of the time and I'm sorry about my voice. I told the story about the time that I was giving a lecture uh, to a group of undergraduates, to a, a class of undergraduates in a human geography class when I was in graduate school. The professor who was my advisor was from Toronto, Canada. So he would give the you know, yearly lecture on the history of the American South, what we call the geography of the American South. But since he had me as his uh, teaching assistant, he told me to give the lecture. So I, I was in a class at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, and I said, you know, raise your hand if you're from Virginia. About 75, 80% of the hands went up. Um, no, I'm sorry, I opened up, I said, uh, raise your hand if you're from south of the Mason-Dixon line. Most of the hands went up in that, in that particular class. Okay, raise your hand if you're from Virginia. 
few hands went down, still most of the class. Raise your hand if you consider yourself a Southerner. Mm-hmm. About half the hands in the class went down. Right. Because so many of those kids are from Northern Virginia, <laughs> which it, a lot of people nationally increasingly you know, look at just an extension of Washington, D.C. Right. So where is the South? That was, that's what I would, for me, yeah. I'll ask you, is Florida the South? That, yeah, that's part of the dirty South. Really? The dirty South is like Florida, Alabama, Mississippi. I think the only Georgia. Southern parts of Florida are north of Orlando. Everything south of Orlando, I don't think is feels the least bit southern to me. Well, no, it's a different, but it is. I mean, I get it. Right, I totally do. Because Tallahassee is southern shit. Yeah, and when you say southern, it's like yeah, like kind of, <clears throat> it has this redneckies. Because I lived in the Panhandle for a short while. Feel. I was in the Panhandle outside of Pensacola doing high school football and some talk radio down there, and I, w- I called some games in Alabama, uh, one in Mississippi, but I went to big stadiums, you know, every Friday night. And I grew up in a place in, in Virginia, the Appalachian region of Virginia, where high school football is, people are passionate about it. Mm-hmm. But in places like the Panhandle in Florida and some of the bigger high schools in Alabama, where yep. they, the stadiums were, they, they all sat 10,000 people. They all had at least a small digital scoreboard. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, I mean, when you go into the Panhandle I mean, the of Florida. Biggest, I played in one game in high school. It was on a Thursday night, so everybody else got to come. And we played it in a college, I mean, Alabama State, University of Alabama State. So, right. Uh, the college uh, stadium, and we had at least 20,000 in there. <laughs> it's crazy. I love it, man. A lot of kids. But see, this is a the stuff. That, like this, I love this stuff because I, I'll take it back. Because, like, when you – like, I just never considered – I don't know why. I mean, that I just never – that's what we had never taught that – well, and that's not really taught, but I just never considered those other states – Outside of, you know, up more northern than Tennessee was like, nothing that was like, no. Nah. So do you consider Missouri to be southern? Because I don't. I never have. No, it's Midwest. And I realize, like, the far southeast corner of Missouri, you know, does have some very southern culture characteristics to it. There's, like, even St. Louis feels like a southern city in a lot of ways. I mean, Kyle, I was shocked when you told me that the dude with the Confederate flag in, uh, in Maine is from where? Maine? Maine. Or Delaware? I was, I was I driving. No, well, okay, no, no. That was the other thing. So the guy who... Uh, carried the Confederate battle flag into the Capitol building right. during the insurrection last week is from Delaware. Yeah. He's from Delaware. Yeah. I was so, like, what? But that's, and I also told the story <laughs> of driving through rural Maine this past summer. I couldn't, I was that, so I'm not, not saying that I'm, I think that racism is only like limited to anywhere, even right. just in America. Like it's everywhere, right? That's just what it is. People have their own biases and all this. But, Growing up in the state of Alabama, you couldn't have told me if if if, if it was going to be an insurrection at the White House and somebody was going to bring a, a, the Confederate flag in there, he wouldn't have been from the South somewhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way you and I would have like I would have told you you're lying. Lying. Get the f out of here. You're lying. It's crazy. And then he's like, no, he's from like Delaware. I'm like, what? And and so I'm driving through rural Maine, dude, and I lock my brakes up. My wife's in the seat next to me. We got the dogs in the back. You know, we're going to Portland, Maine for the day. Right. I locked the brakes up and I rolled back and I said, what the? F-? And and I just I stared at it for a second. I, I couldn't believe it. And I mean, I've seen stories of, you know, those things being sp- like there are people in Connecticut. I, I've learned, you know, again, being married to a New England girl now, I've learned some things about New England and just how rural Connecticut is and how it's mostly farmland and how it's not all that uncommon to see a, a pickup truck with a Confederate flag on it in, in Connecticut. <laughs> you know, and so seeing one through Maine was crazy, man. But, yeah, it's um, it, it's fast. That's why you have. So when, in, in within the discipline of geography. And in our department, you have physical geography, right, which is the study of climate, topography, uh, you know, anything like that. 
and then the human geography side, so physical geography and human geography, which is more akin to uh, social studies, civics, um, you know, basically the ways in which human beings create the spaces in which we live, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where all that comes in. And, and oh, that was the other thing, the maps part of it. Um, did I just lose my focus there for a second? I think I did. I don't know, maybe, but you talked about how the <coughs> like how you have to. That's why at the bottom part of D.C. Yeah, is like kind of like all, or Virginia. It has like right. So we talked. That's I, I wish, and this is the thing that I wish more. And it's not that big a deal, but when you look at a map, you're looking at a two-dimensional visualization of what Earth looks like or what the United States looks like. Well, it's a two-dimensional representation of Earth. Or the United area, or North America, let's say, but as we know, the world is three-dimensional. So right. the the example that I gave was: imagine that your it fist. Is still some people that think the Earth is flat. We'll get to that. So imagine, you know, take no, a fist. We're not. Kyle, we're not, we're not good. That's even better. So take a fist and imagine your fist is the size of a rock, and imagine that rock is Earth, because you know the Earth looks round from space, but that's atmospheric conditions and everything else. It's a big ass rock with mountains and valleys and oceans, and so it's not it's not a perfect circle. Far from it. So take your fist, that is the Earth. And imagine wrapping a piece of paper around that rock, your hand, in this case the earth, and trying to outline the continents and trying to outline the states and trying to outline or trace the roads and things of that. It'd be impossible to do and to do accurately. So that's where map projections. Especially without a third hand. Right. So that's where map projections come into play. So depending upon what map you're looking at, what projection that map is using, the map may look different. And so you're right. I gave the example of how if you go to Google Maps and you uh, look at the eastern seaboard, you'll see that the lower boundary of Virginia that connects with North Carolina looks to be flat, you know, parallel to the screen. But if you go look at a different map, say you walk into a government building, the DMV, you, you're likely going to see a Virginia map where the bottom, you know, part of the state, the, the North Carolina border, angles up. And the reason for that is it's a different map projection. Some map projections are needed to you know, navigate as a pilot, whereas that same map projection wouldn't be as useful to someone who is mapping out oil rigs or uh, cell phone towers, you know, where they need to find the distance between two things. So depending upon the map you're looking at, all the, some great cartographers and mathematicians across time came together mm -hmm. and came up with formulas and equations to use map projections to more accurately show people what it is they're trying to look at. But that's a thing that most people may not know. I don't think anyway. No, nobody knows. Sorry, this. was that too nerdy too? No, no, no. It, I'm glad you explained all that. And we call this what now? Let's give the definition. Cart Cartography. Cartography. Cartographer. But, now. Yeah, because most people did not know this guy. I didn't know what that was. And I had to ask you what that <laughs> definition was last time. Okay, so good. I'm the glad. Day, so we got that out again. We actually got to teach some other people more things about cartography. That we did. I, I got something that we kind of talked about today. Okay. All right. And like. One of the toughest things and one of the more frustrating things, if you have to go through this in life, because not everybody has to do it, but when you're at work and like when you have to work when you're at work, uh -huh. it's tough. What do you mean? Like you man, can't, I, you I can't, can't focus at work? No, not, not that. It's like, man, I'm working. Like, man, and you don't, and some people coming at you, like I can't even like just focus on work and just be the best at that because I got too many people coming at me with some things that you don't know what angle they're coming at you with. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like workplace politics. Right. Workplace politics. Right. And not even talking about politics, right? It's just like, man, like, yeah. where is he trying to come at me with this? Or like, can we actually open up and just be vulnerable? I times? think that that is. I, I, I think <clears throat> sometimes not everybody's, first of all, not everybody's open to being vulnerable 
with everybody. And I, I think it's weird when you start sharing too much with so many people too early. See, right? I think this is like, interesting because you have for most of your life up until recently, you played right. football. Right. I played football. So my workplace was not normal. So the, cor the corporate work environment's brand new to you. It's very brand new to me. See, I didn't even think about that. Very brand That's new. a good point. So you're figuring out how to navigate yeah, corporate America. And I, and I talk to my friends like that have been in corporate world and like asking other my teammates that have kind of transitioned into some and doing some other things. So trying to continue to keep these conversations and, you know, being around these other people that are doing good things is always a good. But so you're trying to fix. OK. All right. And so well, it, <laughs> Kyle, it, it can be like, man, as a veteran of corporate media. Right. One of the. Because in the <sighs> locker room, you just kind of, like, be who you are. You know what I'm saying? And it's, oh, for sure. And motherfuckers now, ain't saying nothing, and nothing. And I can say motherfucker. I can say right. Hey, I can just kind of be whatever <laughs> I am. And you are coming into the corporate workplace at a hell of a time. Yeah. Like, you are coming into the corporate workplace at a hell of you know, a time. And, and I got – look, man, I got reprimanded a couple of times this year for things that I said. So I was just – On like, the air? Yeah, well, one thing on the air and then another thing in a meeting. So it was just like – I was just like, bro, I didn't – I didn't know. Well, and I'm like, I'm well, hold on, hold on. Like what I do. You don't have to say them on the microphone if you don't want to, but like, you're one of the nicest, most respectful people I know. So, I, <laughs> I, what did you say to get reprimanded? At least the one on the air, because people could probably find that. What did you say? Um, I was. Um, so they did the SEC shorts. And it's uh, there was the one about Lane Kiffin when he threw the ah, the, okay. um, All right. the clipboard up in the air. And so then they're, like, talking to the clipboard. The clipboard's, like, all bandaged up and bruised. And then um, – and then, but he's, like, you know, we've been through so much together. And, um, and like, you know, I still want to be with him, blah, blah, blah. And then they were, like, trying to get everybody's reactions. And I was just, like, I just think it's kind of crazy that um, – that they tried to make this clipboard seem like a, you know, like a, a battered clipboard. Oh, are you, that was it? Yeah. That, see, that's what I'm talking about, though. Yeah. You are coming. I said something. You, and, and the thing is, I'm like, bro, first of all, I'm talking about a clipboard. I understand. I would never say that about a woman. But the fact that you right. use the word battered. So you just want to use really? another word or another. Uh, this come at it from a, and I'm just like, look, I won't talk about anything anymore i don't want to talk about i don't want to react to none of that i did something that was i think i i think what i did the other day was worse than what you i did something the other day worse than that i did i didn't get reprimanded now i'm not saying that you know i'm just saying i think what i said on the air the other day which was completely accidental is worse than what you said now of course you're it's a little bit different like i'm doing local radio you're doing tv but like i was talking about kyrie irving on the air the other day and about how he lost his fucking mind basically and i said i said that you know he was off the reservation where is he at right now i don't know but i said i used the phrase that he was off the reservation which is not something that i even and nobody said anything to me i didn't even get a text but i immediately as soon as i said it was like oh shit i probably shouldn't have said that you know and it's not even a phrase that i use that often uh-huh i use it often enough i guess that it sticks in my head but like kyrie irving is also native american um, to whatever percentage yeah, yeah, or degree. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, that could have been, I think, misconstrued as me being oh, yeah. uh, disrespectful. And I said it, and I was like, damn, I probably shouldn't have said that. Yeah, I guess when you can, can make that connection, especially. Yeah. Like, the fact that he does have some Native American in And he, like, he claims that. He claims his Native American side as well. Right. Um, it could have. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't even know where Kyrie is right now. 
Well, so he's it, only got five fifty grand. Different little thing. Yeah, he's yeah, kind of yeah. gone right now. I, you know what I think, man, and and you can speak to this better than I can because I'm. Oh, I'm, and then the other one, Kyle. I gotta say it. I what? gotta say it. The other one. Oh, I, the other reprimand. Yeah. Oh, so if you I'm want just, to, yeah, by all means. Because I was just like, I was just in a meeting, and I would never say it on TV, but I was just like, I, I think uh, momentum. I said momentum's a whore. Oh, you said whore. Yeah. Yeah, I could see how that one might get you in a little bit. I mean, like that, like a hey, pull you aside, maybe you know, mixed company. Don't say that one. Yeah, I could, yeah, I yeah. could see that. It's okay. But that's what I'm saying. You come into corporate culture at a very interesting time. Yeah, because that's just. Then that was definitely a football thing. I have now worked for three different corporate corporate media companies, and uh, in between, um, a mom and pop, so to speak, locally owned uh, group of stations. But like, corporate culture's changed a lot, man. It is a, a, even in the 12 years or so that I've been doing it. Um, there, there are different expectations on, on people in the workplace now that didn't exist. And in a lot of ways, they're good, yeah. you know, because it has eliminated a lot of the same, like, especially in my industry, it's eliminated a lot of the, uh, let's just say bullshit that, that shouldn't go on <laughs> in, in any workplace or any corporate workplace. And I'm a guy who likes to have fun, yeah. you know, I, I, so, and sometimes I'll even, you know, cross a line unwittingly because I'm, I get comfortable with people that I, right. I like and respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't even realize that I'm doing it sometimes because I am such a laid back person once I get to know you. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, I, and, and this is – I'm watching the, the morning show right now on Apple TV with my wife, uh-huh. and it's sort of a, a reenactment of the way Matt Lauer had his fall from grace at NBC with the, the sexual misconduct uh, allegations right. and everything else. And so, you know, it, just the Me Too movement and what happened there, you know, all the way through the, the social uprising and the Black Lives Matter movement last year and, and that uh, the greater awareness that's caused. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then even deeper into people's personal lives, health care benefits, you know, what you can talk about, who you can talk about it to. It, it's it's a very interesting time to be working at corporate America. I mean, it's you're it, I'm, I'm curious. I'm glad like, you said it that. It seems like they're. Uh, first of all, this is one thing I'm learning. It's like, man, I just want to answer. I want to make sure I send the email back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just send the email back. I just want to send the email back. Because you, like, hey, you don't strike me as an email guy. I am not an email guy. I hate guy. email with I, the fire of a thousand suns. Oh, I hate it. It is the worst. It is the but, worst. man, when it comes to work, I just want to make sure I fire off the email back, bro. Just yeah. so I got some kind of evidence to say at least I said something. So let's go back to Kyrie real quick because right. I, I, I want to get your take on this. Have you ever played with a guy? that you knew just didn't want to be there, and a talented guy especially, that you just knew didn't care about what y'all were doing very much at all, uh, you know, beyond getting paid and, and the money that comes with being an athlete. Because I don't, th- I don't think Kyrie Irving really cares that much about playing basketball, and I'm not sure he ever has. I, um, I only played with a couple teammates professionally that didn't like football. So that was – it was few and far in between. Okay. Like, um. And and then when I was in college, I felt like I had some teammates that really they were just there to be at Alabama. Like they were just cool with just okay rocking the jersey, you know. But you know what it really, looks like. Yeah, you know what it looks like. What it sounds like. Well, I, I've seen disinterested players. I've seen disinterested players. I've seen disgruntled players. I've been a disgruntled player before, um, but I I never tried to genuinely was like I never like felt like I quit on my team okay no I just I'm watching him I'm, I'm reading and what he says Kyrie's well he was one of the voices trying to get them to not play in the bubble before they ended up playing last in year in the bubble yeah so you know the extent to which he has any influence and, and was going to change anybody's mind I don't know we'll never know but he just doesn't strike me as a guy who wants to play and I think that he wants the platform without having to deal with the basketball stuff 
And I, I think, first of all, I, I don't pretend to be the world's authority on much of anything, and I don't think I'm the smartest person in the world by far. Kyrie at times does, and Kyrie's come across as at times like he is far more educated and uh, authoritatively, uh, let's just say, versed in certain things that he's not. And like trying to walk back the flat earth thing, that was you can't walk that back. You said a very stupid, stupid thing. And, you know, you lost a lot of credibility in the eyes of a lot of people when you said it. So, you know, you can ask Duke fans, even Duke fans that saw him play like five games when he was there or whatever it was. They a lot of them don't think he really wanted to play basketball ever. So I don't know. I just think that's so I I I can't believe you said that was flat. He, he said it. He did. He man. said it. You can't, that man. And you're right. You can't walk that back. You can't walk it back. You <laughs> said it. That's the thing that you said, and that you got to own that. Now you're going to be the flat Earth guy for the rest of your life, whether you like it or not. Period. Anyway, uh, but I, I look. Kyrie's game is is so good. I, I just don't understand. I, I don't know what's going on right now. They did just trade for James Harden, and eventually, I guess Kyrie's going to come back. I think he's still watching the team at least because he did tweet about him or once or so. Yeah. Um, but I, I have no <laughs> idea what's really what's going down when it comes to Kyrie and, and that basketball. But now that – th- let me tell you something. These last NFL games we had over this weekend were great. Oh, yeah. It was some really good football played. It was some really good um, – can you put a pin in that for a quick second? Because I, yes. I wanted to talk about that anyway. But you brought up the NFL, and I wanted to – the Deshaun Watson thing, did you see what happened earlier today? No, not today. But so, I, all I'm hearing is that he's out. He's out, right. So, Schefter and Mortensen reported on Saturday that he's done. Um, we'll see. You know, things have changed in the past. That could, that could still change. Like, if they hire Eric Bieniemy, would that be enough to convince him to come back? We'll see. But today, there were a couple hundred, I think, Texans fans – who went to NRG Stadium and were protesting outside the stadium, <laughs> protesting the organization, trading Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun got on and tweeted. He was like, hey, I heard there's some people protesting because of me. I'm really humbled and appreciate that. But COVID's getting really bad, y'all. Please go home. You know, be safe. It's a public health crisis. And so I thought that was interesting. But, man, he just signed a deal with him. And now he wants out after a season. And J.J. Watt said after that final game, he was on video saying, I'm really sorry we wasted one of your prime years and all that stuff. They have really screwed that guy over since he's gotten there. And I say that relative to understanding that, you know, he, he's been paid a lot of money. He's going to be okay. But from a competitive standpoint, you, is there anybody – nobody should be shocked why that dude doesn't want to be in, in Houston anymore. Man, the organ, he feels cheated by the organization. It's Don't make as, promises you can't fulfill. Right. It's not the. I'm going to get some water. Yeah, go ahead. It's not the coaches. It's not the um, the players or his teammates. I think he feels cheated in from the organization mostly. And they haven't been able to. I mean, they trade away his best player. And Bill O'Brien, when it came to X's and O's, he did pretty good. And we actually look at it from the outside lens. I mean, their record wasn't – he wasn't a bad coach. They no, had one well, game. Right, exactly. And a lot of it was Deshaun Watson. Well, a lot of it like was – exactly. Making plays. Like, let's be honest here. It was – and he got hit a lot. So, they didn't protect him. He took more hits than most quarterbacks should. But he's so young and athletic and, and he has a great ability. But um, I heard the relationship, the bridge has been kind of burned. That's well, what I'm kind of hearing. And I, I don't think he plays in Houston anymore. When Shefty and all those guys come out and start saying that stuff, it ain't lying. And that's what I'm hearing, too. Just d- then don't, don't promise him that he's going to have some influence exactly. in the hiring process. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And then hire a guy without telling him. Nobody thinks, by the way, and I got, I got so many listeners today on my show 
because I don't know if you saw this morning either, Ian Rappaport said the Panthers are the team to watch to trade for Deshaun Watson. And here in Charlotte, that would, I mean, people would go bananas if that happened. But there were some people on my show this morning texting in saying they didn't want anything to do with Deshaun Watson. He's a quitter. He's a diva. He's, he's trying to force his way out. Like, do, do y'all remember anything about the last four years of this organization? The owner made the comment about the, the inmates running the asylum. Bill O'Brien is your head coach and your GM. And he trades away one of the two best wide receivers in football yep. and gets a running back back and, and screwed up the Laramie Tunsil deal as well. And yep. then on top That's of they, And they don't have no first round this year because of that. Exactly. And so, you know, then on top of that, you got Jack Easterby, who is a former team chaplain who has somehow maneuvered his way to the top <laughs> of the organization and is now calling the shots, apparently. So if you're Deshaun Watson, what is there to like right now about that situation? <laughs> like Nick Casario might be a good GM. But dysfunctional organizations stay dysfunctional so long as ownership continues to get in the way. Look at the look at the Washington football team. Nothing's changed. Look at the Jets. Nothing's changed. Look at the Browns. It only recently changed because it looks like they hired a great head coach. You know, so maybe they, they find the right guys. I don't know, but it's it's far from a guarantee. I just think it's interesting and that they, they, they I think the Browns have a quarterback on a rookie deal that's starting to coach that's figured out what they're good at. They got the running game going. Like, Cleveland is built to win. I like Cleveland going forward, too, because a lot of their players are going to be back because they're all so young. That's one really good – and they got a quarterback on a rookie deal. Mm. Cleveland's going to be back at it. They will. They will. I, I, but I, I – I, I, you are so right about Deshaun and what the things that you said, because I totally forgot about the GM that he used to be a chaplain because we talked about that on one of my group chats, and I was just like, really? Like, how does that even – Right. Um, but any – I mean – and especially if they hinted at or said something, at the end of the day, you're, I'm the quarterback of this team. How am I supposed to sell and be confident to the, everybody else in this locker room, all right, about where this ship is going, right? And you don't even include me in any kind of discussion or anything. Like, I get it. And nobody says you have to. Me. I get not telling right. me some things, right? Yep. Draft wise, yep. and, you know, with everybody getting their deals, who you like I get that part. But you just paid me a hundred and something million dollars. Like I'm going to be here. Like I am in clearly I'm a long term investment, right? And for you not to at least say, Hey, at least talk to Deshaun as from the owner or something like, Hey, this is all we're thinking. I just want to tell you, like, we got your we got your best interest in mind. Like, at least make him feel like he's part of this process. Right. Not even saying, like, I'm telling you who I'm going to pick, but at least make him feel – I feel like Deshaun felt like he was not part of anything. Well, that's the thing. They, they set the wrong expectation. They right. told him he'd be involved, and then they didn't involve him in hiring yeah. the GM. So, again, nobody out here is saying you have to involve the quarterback. No. Just don't make promises you're not going to keep. That's <laughs> yeah. all. And so, again, it, it's a bad situation. Let me ask you this. I, I said today we were talking about this. Uh, we were talking about potential trade deals. If the Panthers offered Christian McCaffrey and this year's eighth overall pick, which the Panthers hold, and next year's first rounder for Deshaun Watson, is that a fair deal? Is that a fair trade? Would Houston do that? Yes. You think so? Throw in Teddy Bridgewater. Throw in, I agree. Throw in Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. Right. So you're doing that deal. If I'm Houston, yes. If I'm Carolina, I'm doing that deal. And I love Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey's a stud. But Deshaun Watson is a 25-year-old, three-time Pro Bowl quarterback who has put that organization on his shoulders. You no know, doubt. Uh, in multiple occasions. And he's the That's reason. Great, I, I don't know if 
people would be so I, I don't know you're gonna have because you already got haters out here right that don't hate gonna hate on Deshaun Watson right and I'll just flat out say it. that's just, the other thing it's because he's a, a black quarterback well no. for some people it absolutely is that because other than that you cannot hate on Deshaun Watson I just that's the I mean that's the not thing. from anything you've seen on it, the field there's no evidence that Deshaun Watson is anything other than a good guy <laughs> there's no evidence to the contrary that anybody can find and you got these people out here texting my show and talking about him on the internet like he's some sort. Come on, man! Like they, Houston will be far more devastated to lose Deshaun Watson no than James Harden. No doubt. Now, if you give them Chris McCaffrey, they'll be happy. But I'm, I'm still, they will be sad. Man, sorry, I, I just got distracted. I, I, my, I, for anybody who doesn't know, I got to see my my little girl's face for the first time today. Yes. And uh, we, my wife sent it to the family text thread, and they're all blowing up right now, freaking out about it, and uh, they're all excited. So. My phone is exploding right now because I everybody got to see my little girl's well, face on the 3D well, Kyle, ultrasound. Huh. I will just say this now. Um, I hope your daughter looks like Camille. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> For her sake, all right? Okay, that's fair. I also wish my daughter, hope my daughter looks like my wife. Yeah. And it looks, according to this, like she has my wife's button nose. So that's a good thing. There it is. So that way the boy can be next and look like me because the second child usually looks like the father, right? It goes the first child looks like the mom usually, and the second child looks more like the dad. So my kids, Kyle, I got four. So London, I, I don't know. I, my kids look like each other. They don't look like. I have noticed like, that. They don't look like, oh, man, that kid looks just like. Now, I oh, have man, that noticed kid looks that. Just like Heather. Like you wouldn't say that for any of our kids. That's crazy. So, but they all look like they look alike. So that's how we know our kids. Now, my second daughter is probably more of a Harper child. She's probably our most Harper looking child. Yeah. Of all of them. All four. <laughs> but um, we'll see what happens with soul. But OK. Yeah. But yeah, that that's that's what happens with ours. So that's I'm, me and my wife's DNA. So we got to see her today, and mm -hmm. then tomorrow I took the day off work because I'm driving my wife up to Virginia uh, at a friend's farm there to go, go get to go get maternity photos made, man. Oh, so yeah. it's getting real. I saw a 3D image of her face for the first time. I got a fully outfitted nursery, and I'm driving her up to the farm tomorrow to do uh, maternity photos. So it's getting real. It is getting real. And for all you single dudes out there, when you get married or you get that baby. You gonna you gonna take them pictures. Like, <laughs> you gonna take them pictures. For all my I gotta get a push there. present. Did you know what a push present was? I, I did. I found out um, the hard way, or did you find out ahead of time? I mean, bro, it, I don't know who created this thing, bro. So I gotta get a push present for when she gives birth. I have to be a millennial doing. I have to have a photographer there. I don't have to, but she wants. I gotta have a photographer there to take some pictures. What with, is a push present? Uh, this, it's a. It's this like. Year. I haven't picked it out yet. I don't know. I gotta go. I gotta go do it. I don't know. I gotta get it. And she wants to definitely consult with. And then I gotta get, I gotta hire somebody to come. You know, clean the house once. You know, before we come back from the. It's a lot, dude. Yeah. It's getting here close, man. Yeah, man. And dude, it's just a little. It'll be right around the corner. It'll be here before you know it. Kyle. Yeah, man. I'm excited. So see, my my oldest, Kyle. She was Heather was uh, like a week late on my first child with London, and so. She was born during a football game. Really? Yes. So you were playing, the baby was born? Yes. Wow. So this was in 2013. Did you give any thought to missing it? No, not at all. Okay. Um, no, 2012. Yep. Is that right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, got it. Who were you playing? Uh, San Francisco 49ers in the playoffs. It was like the, the craziest game ever. What year was this? Uh, 2012? 2000, what? I'm pulling no, it up 13. right now. I want it 2013. I want to see what this is all about here. 
Yep, Jan- oh, January 4th. 12. January 14th, 12. 2012. Yep, Here it is. It. Got it. Let's see what Roman Harper did in the box score. Go ahead, sir. So, so literally, because it's a West Coast game, we're, gonna, we're going to go and – Oh, y'all lost a tough one. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> so 36-32, 49ers. Yes. So, so anyways, Kyle, so we're, it's because we're playing on that Saturday. We, I go to the doctor with Heather on Wednesday – Tuesday, Wednesday, and she wasn't showing. So I'm like, okay, cool. The doctor's like, look, don't worry about it. She, she'll, you can get there through the game, come back. We'll induce when you get back. Everything be fine. Look at Roman Harper. Eight tackles, sack and a half. Look at you. Hey, man. Look at you. You and Malcolm Jenkins tied for the most tackles in the game. Yeah, man, but I just I needed one more tackle. Why? I needed one to more. To beat Malcolm or for what? No, 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 man, just to get that game win. It's just oh, yeah. Win no, I hear you. It, yeah, but so anyways, to go through – you know, I wake up that morning, man, and then next you know, Heather went in labor. I told my brother he had just got in from partying. He threw up. Then was like, bro, what? I'm like, dude, you got to go. You got to go. He's like, oh, my God. So uh, so then, you know, that happened. And then um, and Heather said she was going to try and wait and hold on. And then, pff, of course not. Of she course. Was born second quarter. Damn. And Heather Did you get word? Huh? Did they tell you in the game that she was born? No, 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 I didn't know. You didn't I, know until after the game. Yeah, I, I went to the stadium, you know, at Old Candlestick. Not Candlestick. Was that Candlestick? It yeah, was. Yeah, maybe. It was Old Candlestick Park. And um, before they, like the, the older one, like the older stadium. And then and, uh, and then next you know, I get after the game. My phone, when I finally got some service, pictures came in. So Damn. Crazy. That is pretty and cool. Then, I mean, it was really crazy. We had a long flight back after a tough loss like that in the playoffs. And if we'd have won that game, the Giants would have had to come to New Orleans for the, to get to go to the Super Bowl. Mm. We were really good that year. I think we won like eight or nine games straight at that point in the season. Yeah, I th- what is that? Thirteen and three regular yeah. season. We were really good that year. Lost that was the our divisional that round. was our most talented team. So y'all had a first round bye, I guess, right? Yes. Okay. Damn, that sucks. One and done. Even no, if we did not have a first round bye. Oh, that you didn't. Year. No, because at thirteen and three, huh? Yeah, well, so were the forty nine. Atlanta. Atlanta. Won the division at 14 and two that year. Oh, like, that was the year. They okay. won like eight games by like three points or more. That's right. Like I forgot by, about by that. By team. Like three points. They just kept winning. Damn. And then, so we didn't win our division. So we weren't division champs. We had a better record than everybody else. That's right. But uh, but Atlanta, won, we because we they're not division champs. We couldn't. We didn't have home field advantage. Damn. So we played Detroit in the first wild card game. Smacked them. How about then we that? went on the road to 49ers and. We had them, bro. I mean, we had what five turnovers? We had, we had five turnovers offensively. Damn. And we still battled back. We forced enough turnovers and did some things defensively. We gave up a couple really big plays. And it, man, it was crazy. The 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 Saints of nine years Getting ago that long, in the playoffs. That long that long flight home, and then I went to IHOP, bro, because I need to get my mind right. Cause <laughs> I'm about to go see my child. Why wouldn't you go to? Oh, IHOP. Were yeah. you in San Francisco? You were in San Francisco. No, no, in New Orleans. Why would you not go to Waffle House? Because there was no Waffle House at the time. In New Orleans? Mm-mm. Nope. Really? Yes. How was there no Waffle House in New Orleans? Because for a long time, that's what it was. They didn't get there too more recently. You know, my wife's never been. So uh, I was thinking last night, what was I watching? Sorry. Uh, I, no, I, I no, no, I was, no, I was watching the playoff. No, you're fine. I was watching the playoff game last night, and they came back from commercial break with uh, like a skyline panoramic shot of a uh, little whitetail. Yeah. My man wants a little whitetail. By the way, shout out to Rob. Rob is keeping me stocked up on whitetail dip. This stuff is um, – he, he just knows me. I feel like you he understands. Two, two, two pouches? Yeah. No, I, I'd stick with one. Okay. For me, it's just the oral fixation. I just need something. Like, I don't need, you know, 
a, a big plug-in. I just need, you know, one pouch to keep me occupied. That stuff has been absolutely clutch for me. I want to get one for my boy, too. I got a couple. What, the whitetail? Yeah. See, the cool thing about these is I already, like, don't want it as much, you know, outside of when I'm working and stuff. But, like, the, the different levels of nicotine and, you know, how you can stare or step your way down if you want to, it's it's awesome, man. And they're, like I said, they're sending you – Rob said he sent you some of the finest quality cotton long sleeve T-shirts, man. So you got some sweet whitetail gear coming. I'm a, I'm a fine cotton type of guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> I could have guessed. I figured you did. I could have guessed. So what I was getting to a second ago, um, the, the Saints yesterday, I was watching the game, saw the skyline. My wife's never been. Um, to New Orleans. So I was – yeah, so I was like I promised her already I was going to take her down there here pretty soon. I was like, well, Roman needs to come because you need to be the tour guide. Because I've been to New Orleans, but I don't know New Orleans like you do. So now you we have to like take a, you know, a couple's vacation or something so you can be the tour guide. No doubt, man. Um, shoot, we might even um, allow you. Uh, I don't know the condos down there too. Ooh, there we go. Might well, weekend in the uh, the Nolens condo. Yeah, man. Let's do that. You know I mean? So Let's the other that. thing I was getting to is Drew Brees finished because he looked pretty finished last night. So I've had I've had to turn down a lot of. People have been blowing three, you up about three, that. Yeah, I had at least three <laughs> interview requests. And I am I said, look, I'm not gonna go on here and try and speak for Drew or tell him like what so this is my opinion about Drew Brees. Drew Brees is one of the greatest leaders I've ever been a part of, one of the best teammates. Uh me and Drew have always had a good, great relationship, especially working relationship. And he's a good dude, and he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play this game. And his the way he has worked and grinded and been who he has been for so long is absolutely amazing because it's all the work that he puts into. So whatever he does do, he's going to be great at it just because of his work ethic and who he is. And he gets in his monotonous, like, weird scientist, go, go, go. You see him licking his fingers like 80,000 times. Like, <laughs> that's what he does. Like, boom, boom, boom. He's, his routine and first in, last one out. And uh, so, and I never blame Drew for any loss we ever had. I don't care how bad he played because Drew won so many games for me when everybody else was down. And when your best player just isn't at his best, that means everybody else in the biggest team sport has to step up and win that game, has to step up and win that game. Like if you want to be that team right. or you go down in history like my 2013 team, that's probably the most talented team that we had in that whole organization while I was there, but it wasn't the team that won the Super Bowl. The one that got to hoist the title is the one that everybody remembers. Right. And so that my is what it is, man. It's so it's so hard, Kyle. I wanted that so bad here in Carolina for my teammates because I knew what it felt like. Right. I wanted and I told them that all the time. And when I when they didn't win it, I, I that's a totally different ship. I'm not even going to go on that one. But anyways, it's so hard and you you got to be so lucky. You got to be healthy. Yep. You got to be good. You, you defensively like I remember we played Drew. Drew played his worst game against Atlanta. I saw him throw four picks, maybe five picks in a game. It was like crazy. I've never seen this happen before. And Drew got in right after the, the game. He was so mad. And he breaks, like, before we about to break it down in the locker room, he said, look, guys, he got up there and hit us with the, the Tim Tebow type speech. Like, you'll never see anybody work harder than me. It's my fault, blah, blah, blah. And, bro, everybody in there was like, Drew, man, like, thanks, man. But, like, bro, it ain't never your fault. Like, never. Like, we we could have we should have been able to just bail you out. Like you bailed us out so many times. 
and we've won. And like, so that's the that's my always be my opinion. And I heard Stephen A. say something too this morning. He said that no matter just because he didn't win another Super Bowl doesn't mean Drew Brees still can go down. This doesn't hurt his legacy at all. No, and he got goaded yesterday. Tom Brady is the mother freaking goat. If I had one game, and I used to say Joe Montana, I'd want to put him in there. But bro, Tom Brady, it's just the effect of having Tom Brady. I'm telling you, two things balled out, and he didn't turn the ball over and. They, I mean, they won a game. Two things. You know this better than I do. What, what really hurts about this probably being the end for him is that for the last three years, they've, been, they've had one of the two or three dominated. best rosters in the, NBA, or the NFL. They, they had one of the NFC South, too, and the NFC. Of course. They won season. it four straight times. They yeah. won over the last Nobody's three seasons, four seasons, they've had arguably the best roster in the NFL, arguably. And so that's the first thing. You know, Drew Brees' legacy, I agree. Not hurt by this. Could, have been, could it have been improved upon, amplified? Sure. Um, but he will still go down as one of the all-time greats. There's no doubt about that. I, I think, to your point about <laughs> Brady, though, man, like, they're not winning because of him, but he still got it. You know what I mean? Like, yesterday he threw for 200 yards, two touchdowns. He actually ran for a touchdown. So you could actually argue yesterday in a lot of ways they did win because of him. You know, but their, their, but defense, no, their defense is balling ball, out. Though. I mean, Devin White was all over the field. Devin White and uh, Levante David. Oh, my God. Those two dudes are, are balling. Like, Sean they Murphy. impact the game. You know what? My, um, my, one of my best friends, he, he's a basketball player, but he loves sports. He knows a lot about football as well. And he's like, dude, I don't know all the X's and O's and stuff. He said, but them two linebackers that they got, they, they pop off on the tape the way that Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley did for you guys when we were good in that 2015 season. Like, like those two dudes are, like, flying around making plays. Yeah, for sure. And, and so, again, Tom Brady still has it. Not what he used to have, but he still has enough of it, you know, left to win a Super Bowl. What's interesting now is that they're going to – he's going to face Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. And, I, I, and that's the thing is that Tom Brady is the GOAT to me. To you, he's the GOAT. I still have not and let's just say insignificant number of people who will often try to argue to me that Aaron Rodgers is either the greatest quarterback of all time or that he is uh, definitively better than Tom Brady. He, he, he I has, think he has unique ability. That yes. No other quarterback. Correct. Can has. Now, that is the truth. Nobody can flat out spin a ball like Aaron Rodgers. He Agreed. has the ability and who can run and escape. He's savvy. He's smart. Aaron Rodgers is – they're not lying. He's they're special. They're not lying when they say that. He is so special. But the only thing they knock him on is because he just – he hasn't won but that one championship. Right. And this is what I'm looking forward to seeing because Tom Brady – Tom Brady travels. This is his type of weather. Yep. This is his type of game. Yes, it is. This is not something – I know he's been in Tampa for a while. Yep. He's been doing that for 20 years. <laughs> he ain't forgot. I know, it's, I know you can forget very easily. But I do worry about his teammates. Because, again, you and I talked – you've played in those conditions. Yep. I was at a playoff game recently in Foxborough when it was negative three at kickoff. Yeah, that hurts. Mm -hmm. You know, and you can be as tough as you want to be. But hitting guys and playing football in that kind of cold is something – is a different animal. I mean, yeah. it, it's hard to do. I, I look forward to this game. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, Buffalo's got a real chance against Kansas City as well. Um, Patrick Mahomes getting the, the concussion. I knew he he couldn't come back in the moment he slipped and fell a little bit. After that, they're like, "Nope, you got you you don't get to come back." <laughs> I don't care. I know you ran off the field really good. You look really good. Gave everybody thumbs up. Hopefully, you pass your concussion test. But you're not going back in the game. No, they, they can't allow it. And my brother's a Chiefs fan. He was sweating bullets. Oh my god. He's like, "This clock cannot run fast enough." <laughs> Man.
Then Henny big, made, made a big play. Man, Cleveland had a chance. I, I thought these playoffs this past week, weekend was awesome. It's been a lot of really good football this year. College football, everybody can say what it was, that they didn't like the numbers and blah, blah, blah. Whatever. I'm happy because Alabama won, and they had a really good special team. Here's the other thing I wanted to ask you. The hit on Rashard Higgins yesterday by uh, Sorensen from Cleveland. Yep, great effort. I thought that should have been called targeting, not because I want to see more targeting you know, calls in the it NFL. Was the definition it was it. the dictionary definition of targeting as we've come to know it. So it's just all you're doing, when, to me anyway, when you don't call that is adding to the confusion over what is and what is not targeting. That's the only thing. I don't, it's not that I'm clamoring because I want to see more flags. I just, if that's, he led with his head. The first contact he made was with the crown of his helmet to the side of Rashard Higgins' head. Like, what, what else is there? I, that's, I just don't understand and, that. And see, with me, I, I've been in Sorensen's position. So all you're trying to do is right. just beat him, to the, beat, beat him to the point, which is the cone. I'm just trying to beat him to the cone. Yep. And I'm running as fast as I can, and I'm diving. I'm sorry. I'm not leading with my – it's just a, such a bang-bang. You don't have time to think about that. Right. You, it's such a reactionary sport that you – if you think you, you don't make the play, you can't think. Right. You just go. And that's the only thing I hate about some – like, I, first of all, I hate the targeting rule in college. If that had been college football, he'd have been ejected. Oh, my gosh. They, I'm so glad. I'm watching NFL football. I'm like, dude, I love NFL football because they actually let people hit. <laughs> well, maybe relative Man. to college football, yeah, but – I just, again, it's the consistency of the rule for but me. But then I got mad because somebody asked me, well, don't, do you think they need to change that rule? I'm like, what rule? That if you fumble it out of the end zone, that it's the deep. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I want a game that way. Heck, hell no. Well, of course I see why you don't want to change yeah, that Yeah, I mean, no, yeah, but every rule is benefiting I think to it's the a, offense. I think it's a terrible rule. Why do you feel it's a terrible rule? I think it's a terrible rule, man. I really Every do. Every rule is benefited to the offense. That's one rule that and, – and you messed up. You messed up. He did up. mess up. He shouldn't you have reached. Fumbled. He shouldn't but, have reached. First of all, I, I get why he reached. Well, yeah, it's human but, instincts. Right? I get yeah. that. But, like, you messed up. So how are we not – so you mess up and you still get what you want? Did you see Devin McCourty, by the way, real quick? Devin McCourty tweeted him and his brother share a Twitter account. He tweeted last night. He was like, as he saw him running in, he was screaming because Bill used to scream it all the time. Don't reach. Don't reach. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. I mean, but it's human instinct to try to get the ball across the goal it line. Is. I just – I don't like it personally. I think there's a better alternative to that rule. So, something like of what? spotting the ball back at the 20. You know, something – giving him a first down? No. No, I don't think you give him a first down. I don't think I don't. I'm not trying to make it an offensive friendly rule. I just don't. I don't like the fact that it's an automatic turnover. I do. I, well, of course you do. You play defense. Yeah, and I want a game that way. Okay, fine. We'll let that go. I'm sorry. I got distracted for a second, real quick, <laughs> because people keep sending me news stuff and politics stuff. Because I, I, even though I don't post about it on social media right now, I've been talking to my friends like everybody about what's been going on in the world. So I got people blowing me up now, sending yeah, me yeah. articles and shit. Have you seen? Some of the uh, the video that's been coming out from the Capitol insurrection that those people live streamed on Facebook. Have you seen any of that? No, no. It is fucking nuts. <laughs> nuts. I mean, first of all, anybody who thinks that that was just a uh, you know a protest that got out of hand, go watch those videos and listen to how coordinated it was. And, and you know, telling people to which windows to bust out, you know, and where the par parliamentary tunnels led, and you know, who was going to be in the office. You can and what they like, knew all that. Huh? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you can see that it was coordinated right, in some right. of these videos, the way they're talking to each other. There's a lady on a megaphone shouting out directions on where things are, which windows to bust in, all that. And that guy, the uh, baked Alaska is his name. He's this far right wing extremist, uh, you know, vlogger, YouTube guy. 
live streamed the whole thing and was in Nancy Pelosi's office. I believe it was Pelosi's office. And it was a bunch of them. And they were trying to f- pick up the phone and figure out how to call Trump when they were in there. <laughs> so they live streamed the Did whole they? thing, the Did whole they? thing. And so the whole it's all on video now. All the evidence is out there. And the FBI is scooping them up one by one by one left and right. They're going to end up arresting well, I mean, into the hundreds of people by the time they're done. <laughs> It's insane. Like, I'm watching this in awe. Like, you really thought it was a good idea to live stream everything you're doing and make it permanent record on the Internet so that there could be no doubt about what you were doing that day. Kyle, I was, uh, you know, working with ESPN. You know, we got some high-end security. and We do, too, now. Yeah, and um, so I was, um, as we were walking and stuff back and forth, so I was going back to the green room in between the set, and uh, the security guy was talking. He was like, you know, ex-FBI and all these other things and uh you know pretty like really cool dude and but now he was just doing some security work with this private company and he was just saying he's like he said man the craziest thing about what I saw with the insurrection is like he's like you know they didn't make a lot of arrests that day that's fine he said but all these people that that videotaped everything said all the evidence like they're getting all of that he said they're going to get everybody they're going to come back he said you're going it's going to be a whole bunch that's going to go down. He said all those riots and stuff this summer that everybody talked about, he said they went back and looked at all the tape on that stuff too and arrested a lot of those people too. People just put it out there on their social media or other, all these other platforms, and they just come, okay, thank you, and they come right over there and scoop them up. It's, it, he, said, he said, man, it blows my mind because if, cause he said I couldn't imagine having access to videotapes when I was young because I would have did it too, but still. Well, and, and the new thing now is, again, is that uh, we talked about this with Darty on, on the last episode of the podcast, you know, about how there was this belief in a day or two after that, or this, this new thing they were saying that, well, it wasn't really, you know, Trump supporters, right-wing extremists. It was actually Antifa. They infiltrated it, and Antifa did it all. He you did know? say that. And, and there are, there are still, him like, there are still really people like out there trying to push that narrative on the news even even though we have video evidence that shows clearly who was responsible here. And even uh, House Leader Kevin McCarthy, you know, one of Trump's biggest allies, went out that day during the impeachment hearings and said he bears responsibility in this. Mm-hmm. He, and he even said explicitly, you know, we have this narrative now that Antifa did this. He said there is no evidence for that. And so that it, it's we have an issue of accountability here. And to your point about what they already had, I sent this, and I'm going to send it to you. It's too long for me to read here. But there, there is a full summary, basically, of what the FBI did. Um, to basically hack into Parler, you know, that the, the app that uh-huh. has since been deleted by Apple and, and uh, Google and everything else. Uh, they have no home now. Parler's dead, as we know it. But what they did I to think, in- I, I think one of them, uh, I think it was the Apple CEO, the dude was just saying that you have to monitor your people or I can't allow it. They were like, we want you to monitor your, your stuff. I want, yes, I want to come back to that. That's said, really important. That, then we let you back on. He's like, bro, I'm not trying to like hold you down. That's a really important part but, of this. Yeah, I think that's the thing that everybody is not getting or understanding. So I don't know what you I, want. I'm gonna s- I'm gonna send this to you. But the FBI and you know some of the the hackers on the you know their side and all they got into Parlor, and what they effectively did was take every and it was much more complex than this. But they have every single bit of metadata, you know that that that's ever been posted on Parlor, and for some of the verified accounts on Parlor. You had to scan the front and back of your driver's license to get a verified account on Parler. 
Now, any social media platform asking me to scan my driver's license is getting a big middle finger, and I'm not signing up for that, that, that platform. Well, a lot of them did. But they did it, and the yeah. FBI has all of it, every video, every post, oh, really? anybody who, who submitted personal information, their address, their phone number, their email, whatever they put on there, the FBI has all of it. That's how they were able to get those folks on that no-fly no list as quickly as they did because ah. they already had so much of this information ah. at their disposal. And they're one of the people who was at the Capitol riots that day, the insurrection that day, uh, fled to Hawaii thinking he was going to hide out. They found him a few days ago. They found him. He's already he's been brought back to the mainland United States to face charges. They're finding all of them. And, and so they're going to continue to find these people, as they should, because I believe in unity. I believe in, you know, the, great, we, the greatest need we have right now is to bring people together. Yeah. We have to bring liberals, conservatives, everybody together and say, we realize we have issues, but we all have to agree that that is not how we solve our problems in America. Right. We don't do that here. Correct. And, and, and we have to get that done. But there also has to be accountability, like forceful accountability. Anybody who is who's known to have gone there that day, entered the Capitol, tried to stop legislators from doing their job, they need to do hard prison time. They, yes. There needs to be consequences for that. And I think there's there's obviously going to be. anybody that that hasn't said that. I don't and, care and he, what side of the aisle. Like, I don't think well, no, they're out there. I, well, I think they're, I know, I know. I have not spoken there to There are some people out there. Like three, um, three of my friends, and they've all said that. But, you know, in, I mean, who in anybody, and they said the same thing, that, like, people that are trying to uh, make an excuse for that is, like, they're, like, losing their minds. Well, two it. things about that. First the thing is that for anybody who would push back on that, I would ask them one simple question. Because all I've been hearing about for four years is law and order, law and order, law and order. Are we a society of law and order or not? Because yep. if we are, storming the Capitol building and trying to take legislators hostage and, and, a, and a riot that resulted in five people dead, if there aren't consequences for that, then we aren't a law and order society. I'm with you. And, and B, what, you, what I get a lot of from people, too, is, well, I mean, I didn't hear you condemning the looting and the violence during the Black Lives Matter protests last summer. Yes, the fuck I was. Yeah. I, I don't condone in violence or looting or anything like that at all. But that's why I think for some people, maybe on the opposite side of that fence, maybe now they might see the light a little bit and say, oh, you mean that when a whole shit ton of people get together for a common cause, you might have a group of nuts that might make it go bad for everybody? Because we all know that the majority, even if we disagree with some of their politics and, you know, they fell for the great lie that is election fraud, you know, a lot of those people were there and didn't do anything wrong other than be there and voice their opinions. There's nothing wrong with that. But they had, you know, whatever percentage of people that were there caused that to turn into something historically violent and shameful. Yeah, that and, was bad. Man. And so, you know, maybe this would cause some people to see the light, but I just don't get where people don't want. And I think it's mostly they don't want to grasp that we've been watching civil rights, social justice movements in this country for the better part of a century. We've seen people, black people, women, uh, you know, happy and, and, and all their al Day. happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Exactly. We've been watching this for decades in America, people taking the streets for a common cause. The Black Lives Matter movement and protest is the largest single social justice human rights movement that we've ever seen in America. It went global. There were people marching in the streets of Paris yes, when that happened. Mm -hmm. When you have that large scale of public demonstration, there will always be some collateral damage because that's the way it's always been. Yes. What hasn't been common. Changes never come easily or. It, like without anything like change is not people because people people are comfortable change happens when people get uncomfortable and there's it, a lot of people that have been comfortable with certain things and now when all of a sudden that feels like it's being rumbled they're not uh you know people want to 
make sure they stay comfortable. Absolutely. And, and I tell this story all the time. But, but I think it's crazy because you're right, Kyle. Just drawing that picture back up to my up in my in my in my mind was just, man, when that stuff started, man, everybody across the world was protesting and marching yeah. for, for better for all. Right. Right. And the United States of America is usually one that leads that. And we led it. And that can we can still get to that. We can still be. We are as great as we, we choose to be. No we doubt. In America. No doubt. And we I have I, to make that decision to do it, though. So we're, we're either a law and order society or we're not, A, you know, and B, there, there have to be forceful consequences so that this doesn't happen again. That's why there are consequences to deter the same thing from happening again. Mm -hmm. If there are no consequences, then they win. That's yes. how this works. And so, yes, there needs to be a message of unity. There needs to be a message I mean, of coming together. Some, a couple of people asking for uh, – for, um, President Trump to uh, pardon him. I'm like, bro, there's no way. That oh, well, you saw that, right? I did. See that was that. no, no, like, no, no, no. I, I don't think what you're missing on that is Roman. That would that that looked like to a lot of people a law enforcement sting. There was a post on Parler saying President Trump will pardon you for your involvement in the insurrection if you submit your name and personal information to this email address. No, and that, a that lot of people did it. A lot of people did it. Now, I mean, anybody who's the least bit Internet savvy knew that was a Nigerian <laughs> prince email trying to get you to send him money. But there were still people who sent that to, in all likelihood, federal law enforcement when they did it. So, you know, I, I guess if you're that, that's just natural selection. I don't know any other nicer way to say it. That's just natural selection, man. I don't know what to, to say beyond that. But this is just a massive clusterfuck. Yeah, man. And, and it's got people anxious and angry. I mean, I've, I've seen like images of lines out the store at gun stores across america like this is the gun industry ironically the nra just filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy how does that happen uh, i don't know we have time to get into that i mean just because how <laughs> i want to do more research on that because i saw that late last night and i was like that's really happening like right now yeah like um see but that's a great but you're you're right to point that out because that's an area where for me you know i stand in opposition to a lot of things that that donald trump has said or done you know, I have my own issues with the way that he's conducted himself presidentially. But when it comes to conservatives, I have a lot in common with a lot of conservatives. I have yeah. a lot of conservative friends, close conservative friends that I love dearly, like family members. And there are things that we agree on. You know, I own guns. I'm a Second Amendment proponent like that. We agree on things like that. I've never that. heard anybody say they're trying to take our guns from us. Oh, well, I mean, there have been a few. I mean, I know, Beto O'Rourke like, Beto O'Rourke did threaten to go around collecting people's guns. So, I mean, not going to happen. I, We're way too far gone. Well, I tell people all the time. I asked somebody the other day who was bringing that up. I said, they said, you own guns. You're not worried about it. And I said, well, we just had eight years of Barack Obama. And I just looked at my safe the other day and I had the same number of guns <laughs> that I had when I started. So I, I'm not overly concerned about it. No, <laughs> not right now. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not overly concerned about that right now. You know, and, and I rarely look at mine. So, <laughs> you know, I, it's not a concern that I have right now. I just, man, I tell you what, the way that we, we have an issue right now with the way people talk to each other and the way they communicate things and how I got to point this out, too. You know, I, I bag on the right for a lot of what's happened recently. But the left has some very obtuse, elitist, uh, condescending messaging out there that is not going to help them get very far in talking to conservatives. I mean, th they've been I trying agree. to tell you for a couple of years now that, you know, East Coast media, the, the elitists in New York City and you know, the, the type of people they perceive to be looking down on them. You're not going to reach them by talking down to them. You're not yeah. going to reach them or connect with them by continuing to do a lot of the same things. I think the media will have a pretty, I'll put it this way, 
I, I think one of the better things that may have come from the last four years of Donald Trump's presidency is a greater awareness of media, yep. where news comes from, who's funding news, what corporate media has done to news yep. in, in, you know, profitizing, you know, what should have been a civic agreement all along to tell the truth so that everybody can be right. on the same page right. with the same yeah. set of facts. Yeah. Like, I, I think there has been a reckoning in media, you know, over the last four years. And I think that's a good thing. I really think it's a good thing because there are some people out there reporting the news that, quite frankly, have no business reporting the news, <laughs> you know. I, I'm not going to tell anybody how to do their job. Largest just, problem, though, real quick, people still get too much news from social media. That's I, a problem. Now, see, that's where I would say is that, man, people read stuff online that has no checks and balances, and they believe it. Like, yeah. yeah. And, like, and they, like, go to church with it. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, they don't even research. Yep. They're just like, oh, what? Yeah. Girl, girl, um, girl your cousin said who did what? <laughs> Girl, I'm going to church, and they go to church with it. <laughs> it's not it, Kyle. You it's need to it. do research. You need to do a little bit. You have that's, to. That's where you and I kind of – I felt like we were starting to gang up on Darty a little bit last time he was in here. But I, I'm glad you said what you said because I was just going to let it ride, you know, where he said, you know, people don't have time to get into, you know, this many news outlets. I mean, the truth of the matter is if you haven't woken up a little bit by now, yeah. there, there's not much out there that's going to reach you. If you haven't become aware of the fact that you need to be very – choosy and and very selective in where you get your news and more importantly very critical in how you think about the news that you read mm -hmm. if you haven't figured that out by now I, I i don't really have much sympathy for you yeah and I, kyle look i'm re i was watching this netflix special uh, called crack and it was about the crack epidemic in america in the 80s and early 90s i believe dude and i was too young then and plus i lived in alabama just my parents were always around and i was never around anything like that but I'm like the fact that like our own like we had our own pieces of the fact that America had its own little wars going on at the time. I was like, bro, we've always it's like it's a lot of things that repeat itself in time. Oh, America's you gotta, and, and you got to like, man, like as I'm old, getting older, I'm like reading and trying to learn more about stuff. It really has been amazing to like. Right, really open up my eyes to some of this. America's been involved in a lot of proxy wars. Yeah. Now, over I, the love, years. I love America. <clears throat> I ain't going nowhere. I love my country. But I'm just saying. Well, no, no, no. As, I've, as I've got to learn a lot of but, other but things. But that's what we it's have like, to man, do. But we need to, I need more people to, to know these things too, though. That's the thing that most, and most people don't want to hear about it or talk about it. That's the thing that sucks, Kyle. Well, sure. But like most people might not want to hear about it. But if you only ever believe in nothing but pure, blind American exceptionalism, that's how you fall into nationalism and jingoism and you know yeah, that's, that's you start true. moving toward a fascist state man like yeah. that that's that's you can't do that and so the most patriotic thing you can do is question your government the most patriotic thing that you can do you know is remind the elected officials that they're there to serve the people and not their own personal interests that no doubt those things are true yes but you there can't be just a blind loyalty to a flag to a military uh to a, a national anthem you, that that's not what this country was founded on it just wasn't and so that's where i think we have this really fundamental d divide right now where both sides fervently believe they're protecting and defending the constitution and that they're patriots and that the other side is seditionists and traitors <laughs> that that's i mean and that's a dangerous place to be if you can't figure out how to diffuse that situation and on that one side i'll say this and i know we got to run you know coach said that thing last time we were in here about you know i wasn't i was never really a conspiracy theorist but <laughs> and the QAnon movement, you know, the conspiracy theories out there about so a stolen not, election. I've never looked at it. Or I'm not going to drag anything. you into it. I'm I not going to drag you into it. All I'm going to say is this, and we can wrap it up. 
with the conspiracy theory thing, you know, they believe in a stolen election, Dominion voting systems, uh, duffel bags moved, all this shit. They get into pedophiles running the government, Jeffrey Epstein, lizard people, all this stuff. There are a lot of conspiracies out there that are interesting. Okay, I don't just completely dismiss or denounce all conspiracy theorists because, quite frankly, it was conspiracy theorists who were right all along about UFOs. The federal government just <laughs> casually acknowledged a couple months ago that they've been seeing UFOs for a while, and yeah, no big deal, everybody. So, I mean, conspiracy theories, I, I, I'm into them a little bit, and I'm under no delusion or illusion that the federal government hasn't done some shady shit over the years. No Look doubt. at Operation Mockingbird, you know, with the television networks, what CIA did. Look at Operation Paperclip, how the, the federal government uh, secretly brought Nazis in from the Nazi regime to work in our space program, to work for NASA, and gave them all new identities. Yep. You know, there are literal enclaves of, of multi-generational, you know, Nazi, you know, communities and descendants down in the swamps of Louisiana and all over the place. So there are certainly nefarious things that the federal government's done. We all acknowledge it. You brought up the, uh, uh, what was it, the proxy wars yep. a couple of minutes ago. There's a difference, though. It's down in Nicaragua and everything. Right, but there's a difference now between then, when those people were fringe kooks and, and didn't have you know, access to full communities of like-minded people who didn't care about facts and evidence and reality. Mm -hmm. Now they have that. You know, and, and now they can form communities, and now they can you know, collectively agree that you know, what's in front of them isn't real and, and not true. I don't know what you do with that, because there's a word out there for it, but it's not the word anybody should use. It's called deprogramming. You know, and that's a scary word for obvious reasons. So it, but it's nothing other than almost kind of having to deprogram people from the lie they've been fed from the beginning. You know, this was being set up by the, the White House, this administration, since last spring. They started talking about large scale voter fraud because of mail in ballots. They were going to contest it three weeks before the election. No matter how you feel about him, Bernie Sanders called shot for shot for shot exactly what would happen mm -hmm. on election night and thereafter if, if the president tried to perpetuate this lie. And it turned into, I think, a lot of senators and, and House members, not all of them, some actually believe this stuff, but a lot of them feeling like this was nothing but political theater. They were going to fundraise off of it, which is shameful in and of itself because you're stealing money from people through lying to them. But they did that, you know, and that this was all going to be, you know, they could just walk away from it. No, we're going to be stuck with this shit for the next five to ten years because this doesn't go away on Inauguration Day. This doesn't end on, an, on Inauguration Day. No. So the, it's going to be popping for a while, unfortunately. Yeah, man. Um, and when I was uh, – I watched football the other night with uh, one of my good friends, um, really good dude, and um, – conservative beliefs and all this other stuff and I asked him about some of the things you just talked about and we were just talking about blah blah we we're just talking and I'm like look I'm a registered independent voter so, same so I can't and the I can't pick and choose who actually gets to run for either party and but I get I've voted for both parties been my my voter lifetime right yeah me too so um so I was just telling him I was like sometimes especially like this last voter cycle it just seemed like Republicans were not as much, they weren't as, um, it didn't seem like they were trying to win my vote as a minority person as much as they were trying to suppress votes. I felt like they did, they, they worked harder at suppressing votes than they did at trying to win my vote. And that's my only, that would be my only thing is like, I would like that to change. And there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, that, that's an entirely separate podcast episode you start talking about gerrymandering and you know some right. of the things that were done to to limit drop-off locations and things right. like that and, and like, man, it just seemed like they made it it made it tougher and tougher and i just like i just didn't understand that well right like, but, I, feel and, like, but, I feel like and not just as mine but like you, we should try and, and we should everybody should try and win more votes instead of 
not making people vote. And, and I, I don't say this to both sides of the issue, just to point out that, you know, Republicans, conservatives would probably counter with, you know, well, you know, Democrats want to register illegal, illegal aliens or Democrats, you know, want right, to give prisoners right. or felons the right to vote. Or, you know, so, I mean, it, 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 it would go too. back and I forth. I think we should. Well, I think our election system, while the fundamentals of it still are, are very sound and it was, you know, brilliantly put together, you know, by, by our forefathers and things like that, it, there are some ways in which it should probably be updated. But uh, that is not my expertise, and I'm going to leave that alone. And I got a pregnant wife to tend to, and I got maternity photos to travel to. So I got to run. Dude, number one, all right, the last month, you got to have a fall guy. All yeah. Right? So, like, you, you can't. It's like you, Chris you, Carter. Yeah, man, you can't get in trouble all the time with your wife. Somebody I don't. Well, you, why do you think I get in trouble all the time? Somebody else needs to get in trouble for you. Okay, you know what? Right. We're going to come back to that next episode. We'll talk to you next time. For Roman Harper, I'm Kyle hey, Bailey. Take them pictures, Kyle. Put a smile them. on your face. Y'all work hard. Be nice to each other.